Hey, this is Brady Hyen, and you're listening to Bettering Nashville. This week on the show, I'm speaking with Russ Bradford, who is the Metro Council member that represents District 13, which is the Donaldson Airport area of Nashville. We talk about quite a bit here, uh, including libraries, challenges of 2020, and being a first-term council member. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is Russ Bradford. Hey, Russ. Hey, Brady. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing good. So you represent District 13 in the Metro Council. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. So why don't we first hear a little bit about you, um, what your background is, and how you came to be part of the Metro Council? Sure. So I was born and raised in Mississippi, um, graduated from Mississippi State University, um, in 2009 and moved up here and shortly thereafter started working at Vanderbilt. Um, over the years, kind of changed careers, got into call centers, and then made my way into quality assurance, which is what I'm doing now um, as a quality assurance specialist for a healthcare IT company based out of D.C. And that's what I do Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. And... On a, on personally, you know, I'm involved with my local alumni chapter here in Nashville, um, serving as vice president of the board for the last three years, um, been involved in local politics for the last couple of years, volunteering at certain events, and just decided that I felt like it was my time to give back to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my family, I have a long history of service in my family on the military side, and public schools. So I felt this was my way of being able to do that. And so seat opened up, I threw my hat in the ring and here we are. So was it, when did you get elected? Um, the election was in September of 19. Okay. So this is your first term for or first year in the seat. Just wrapped up my first year. We're now in year two. Wow. And what, what are your first impressions? What has anything surprised you or? Yes. Really? <laughs> so let's hear during about the it. Camp, during the campaign, we thought our biggest drama was going to be the budget. Little did we know we were going to have a tornado, straight line winds, a worldwide pandemic that was going to cause an economic um, issue on top of having to balance the budget. So yeah. my, my first year was nothing like I ex- had expected. Um, there was a lot of things that kind of got put on the back burner mm-hmm. because of everything else we had to focus on. So I feel like this, the next three years, I'm going to be playing catch up to try and make sure (laughs) I can get done what I wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. it's been surprising. So let's hear about that. What, what kind of things were you campaigning on? What are the things that you would like to get done uh, in this term? So I primarily campaigned on transparency and communication. The, um, the last couple of council members for this area have been criticized for not being communicative um, mm. 
not returning phone calls, not returning emails, and so on and so forth, and not just and not being involved with the district. So I would like to think in my first year, I've actually met that promise and met that goal. I've had my fifth quarterly town hall meeting since I was elected. I've got a, a monthly newsletter that goes out. I do my best to respond to phone calls, emails within 24, uh, 24 to 48 hours. I feel like I've probably hit that about 90% of the time. That's tough. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was my biggest goal was just to, you know, rebuild that line of communication, which I feel like I've done so far. So going forward, now my next step is we have what I call a, a book desert in this district. When you look at the public library system, if you live on the lake side of the district where I live. Real quick, I'm going to stop you right there. Just for anyone listening that doesn't know what District 13 is, can you describe the geographical region of your district? Sure. So I tell people, look at a map of the city and find BNA Airport because that is smack dab in the middle of my district. So okay. I've got to the left and to basically to the east and to the west mm-hmm. of the airport. I-40 is the northern boundary. So everything north of 40 are different districts. Okay. So that's the easiest way I describe it. Yeah. Just look for the airport and on either side. Okay. So if you live to the east of the airport towards the lake, you're somewhat easily accessible to the Donaldson and Hermitage libraries. But you, if you live on the other side of the airport, on the Murfreesboro Pike Corridor, you really don't have easy access. You have to either go all the way out to the southeast branch or the Edmondson Pike branch, or the Thompson Lane Nolansville Road branch. And so the library system has has put on their master plan, they want a library kind of in the Murfreesboro Pike, Raleigh Parkway area. So that's my, that's where I'm focusing my attention right now is mm. seeing if we can get money approved in the next budget for at least planning and design, which is usually a big step. And then trying to see if we can get some money to go ahead and if we find any property to buy it or to, at this point, start looking outside the box because there's not a lot of available land. Mm -hmm. So we might have to start looking at putting it inside of another building, such as Mm -hmm. the Genesco building on Murfreesboro Pike, if if there's a possibility to do it that Mm -hmm. way. That would be interesting. What would you say, uh, what do you believe to be the importance of local libraries? Besides them being a place for the community to congregate and to have some place they can go, I think it's really important, especially in that area, because you've got a lot of apartments with a very high percentage of immigrants mm. who live there. Um, hundreds of children. There's two elementary schools on that side of the district. So there, there's a need for both education and community to have something anchoring that area plus if we have any hope to basically revitalize the Murfreesboro Pike corridor, then we need to put, we need to have a civic anchor and Mm. a library would do that. I see. Yeah, that's great. Um, I've, I've heard, I've reached out to all the council members. I've uh, so far I've spoken to two before you and what I'm hearing is it looks a little bit different for every member, um, how they handle their work. It sounds like you have a nine to five job that you're doing it Monday through Friday. How do you, what, what is a typical work week or I guess work month look like for you dealing with your Metro council duties? So a typical day I'm sitting here in my home office, I'll be on my work computer 
and conducting my day job, I have my council laptop open onto the side. So anytime I hear an email ping, I'm able to check that and mm-hmm. phone calls as needed. But I've, I'm lucky that since my job went remote when the pandemic started, I was able to be more hands-on. Yeah. Before that, I could only check my emails two or three times a day and then after work. So I wasn't mm-hmm. able to be as in touch. So I, I've been lucky in that aspect. Yeah. Um, a lot then, of flexibility. Yeah, then you got the council meetings every two weeks, which take about four or five hours of your day. You got committee meetings um, during the week, and then every so often there might be uh, a community meeting, a neighborhood watch meeting, or something I need to do after work. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's been fairly easy to balance work and council. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm sure my colleagues have probably said this, even though it's a part-time job, it's a full-time responsibility. Right. Yep. That's what I'm hearing. I get phone calls and text messages seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And do you have any kind of support personally for the work that you're doing? My partner is very supportive of everything. Um, I mean, if he was by my side during the campaign and if, if he wasn't behind me on this and there'd be no way I could do this. And mm-hmm. um, I've got friends and family who are very supportive of what I'm doing. And there's been, there's members of the community that have rallied, rallied around me and, Mm. At times when I feel personally that I'm not doing a good enough job or just having one of those days, I'll just randomly get a text message or email from somebody or a comment on a Facebook post that, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up. Wow. That's amazing. That'll keep you going. Yeah. Um, So uh, can you tell us what committees you're involved with in the Metro Council? Sure. So I was... You know, at the beginning of every term, the vice mayor asks you to make a list of which committees you want to be on. Mm. And I had listed four I wanted to be on. Public Works, Planning, Zoning, and Historical, art, the Parks, Arts, and Libraries. And um, I believe the last one was Public Safety. Mm-hmm. Um, he put me in the, f- the first three. And the reason I picked those primarily, Planning and Zoning, there's a lot of available land still in this district. And we've had issues in the past with developments and bad zoning. So Mm -hmm. I felt that was a good place for me with the history of the district. So I can kind of keep, keep my hand on the pulse Mm -hmm. and see what's coming through and just learn the process. Public works, my district was very big. They wanted more, more infrastructure investment with stormwater, with parks, with um, sidewalks. So I felt that was a natural fit. And again, the need for having a library and park space, the parks and library committee felt like a natural fit. The reason I, I threw in public safety is at the very southern tip of the district, the Davidson County Sheriff's Office has their, um, has a big complex on Harding Pike, and you have the South Precinct there as well. So a part of the community uh, wanted to be on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Recently was appointed the vice chair of public works. So the, the chair and vice chair will change every year. So this going on year two, I was asked to serve as vice chair. I also serve on a standing committee of public works, which deals with solid waste and recycling. And I'm also the secretary for the first ever LGBTQ caucus uh, in Metro history. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So you talked about, uh, I think, Facebook or um, just getting emails all day. How do you like to stay connected to your constituents? How do you like to hear what they're wanting and uh, how does that work for you? 
I tell everybody, I, you know, they can reach me anyway, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, um, phone calls, text messages, you know, stamped letter, however they feel comfortable. Um, it's always easier if they send an email because I can get to it uh, right away or start looking at it. Sometimes, you know, Facebook and Twitter, sometimes you can miss something and all the noise. So email is definitely the best way, but mm-hmm. I, I respond to everything. Gotcha. Uh, what would you say, I guess the airport being there makes your district pretty unique, um, but what other ways does District 13 stand out from the other districts um, in, in they have needs that you need to speak out for uh, that other districts might not. You mentioned the library already. That's a big one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, while I was stating earlier, my district, if it's not the most diverse, it's pretty close because there's a very large immigrant and Hispanic population, African population, um, socioeconomic. On one side, you have lots of well-off middle class. On the other side, there's you got renters and you've got first-generation Americans. So you've got the whole gamut of socioeconomic aspects. We've got the lake on one side. You've, we've got industrial. We've got the airport. And you kind of have two separate districts in a way because of the airport. Because you have one side that kind of is involved in everything going on with Donaldson Hermitage. Then the other side's more of a South Nashville. Mm. So just navigating the specific and somewhat independent needs sometimes of the district. And on top of that, part of my district is in the urban services district. So they're kind of considered city. And then the other part is general services, which is what I say. It's kind of like the county because it's a different tax rate. Different services are offered under the two. So you've got two very different. But they're in the same district. Interesting. Same district, but, you know, two very different needs, sets of issues. Yeah, interesting. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest hurdles or challenges uh, for you in your district or f- for the Metro Council as a whole? Anything that's been frustrating for you in this first year of your term? District-wise, I'd say some of the frustrations, some of the issues we have to overcome the, the lack of communal meeting spaces, you know, we don't have any civic centers. We only have the two elementary schools, no library. We only have one city park. And so there's not a lot of communal areas. Mm. As far as an issue council-wide, you know, we're limited by state law. We, you know, I can't call up a colleague and start talking about legislation. That's illegal. Mm. We, we can only talk about stuff, legislation we'll be voting on if we've, if we've done a proper notice and are in a public space like city hall mm. or a community meeting. So it's hard to really, if there's legislation that's coming through that I have questions about or have concerns about, I can't just call up the sponsor and, you know, get them to answer my questions. Mm. Uh, you, it, it's tricky. You have to wait till meeting. So it's like, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. I'm sure that and, slows uh, things down a bit. It, it, I almost would say the opposite because, oh, really? Because you, you're not able to really question, and the way everything's set up, it's very hard as a council person to do your due diligence just because of how everything's set up. Mm, you have a certain um, window when you're able to talk about an issue or right. legislation, and once and, it's, and, and if anything's going through committee, you know, once it's out of committee, then 
nine times out of 10, you're going to be voting on the second reading that same night. So if you've added an amendment or a substitute, there's really not been much time for other council members to really digest what's going on. And mm. one thing I've been pushing is a change for our structures so that it allows more, more deliberation. And what, how would you see that working? I would like to see that as in having committee meetings on different weeks. So have it alternate, you know, you have a council meeting, the next week you have your committees and so mm. on and so forth. That way, anything you discuss in committee, you've got a week to mm. do your research and to get any changes or amendments before it has to come back up again. Rather than having a few days before the next council and meeting. It's, and some, some bills do that and some don't. It just depends on what they're classified like. If it's a zoning bill or just a regular bill, it, there's a lots lots of rules and you have to really understand and deadlines. Yeah, that's tough. Um, on on the more of a lighter note, what are some of the things that you're most excited about with uh, Metro Council in the next three years, or for um, Nashville in general? Well, I'm really excited about the diversity that our council has. Mm. We increase LGBT represent, representation. African American population. Um, half the council is female. Our, our youngest Latina elected. So our council is probably the first one in our city's history to be as reflective of the city itself. Mm -hmm. um, council members all fat being the first Muslim in Tennessee to be elected. Wow. So it, we're we're starting to see that diversity in our city show up in our government, and I'm hoping that will help our government be better for our city. Um, other things I'm excited about, one of the few perks you get as a council member is you get to, as an elected official, you're granted by the state the authority to, to do marriages. So I've oh. done three so far. And wow. So that, that, it's a great perk. And, you know, people don't think about it. But I've, it's, ne uh, I've never heard that. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, we, we can't charge for it. We have to do it for free. Oh, but I see. It, it's, it's still it's a nice a public perk service. to get to do that. I gotcha. Well, that's awesome. You've done three already. Wow. Yep. Very cool. Um, what would you say to someone listening to this that just wants to be, whether they're in your district or not, that just wants to be more involved, more in the loop? Uh, how can they stay updated with what the Metro Council is talking about? And also, how can they contribute themselves? Sure. So if you just, if people want to just watch a council meeting, if you have cable, it's channel three, the Metro National Network live streams all of our council meetings and all of our committee meetings. You can watch your reruns on uh, YouTube. Um, reach out to your local council member. Um, see what events they have. If there's a community, community meetings or community meetings or anything going on, go listen. Um, the, the best way if you're curious about how our government works is to to watch and to find ways to participate, attend public hearings. Um, if, if there's newsletters that go out, sign up for them, watch the news, read the newspaper. And if you want to get involved, there, there's nothing stopping you. Mm. Um, what is, what would you say is the kind of the climate of the Metro council right now um, with all that's happened in 2020, uh, as we're looking towards 2021 is are are people hopeful? Are things tense? Um, I know it's kind of hard to speak for the whole council, but what's what's the general vibe there? I would definitely say it's tense 
mainly because of everything we've gone through this year, not just locally, but the whole national environment. Mm-hmm. There is, I would say there is some hope for next year. I say that because anytime the city has been in a bad spot, we've always gotten through it and gotten out better. Mm. So that's why I'm hopeful that we can weather all this and come out better on the other side because I've seen it mm. after the flood and other things. I've seen how the city has pulled itself up and moved on. So I'm confident and hopeful that whatever comes tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, we can handle it. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Were you in the Donaldson area uh, for the flood at that time? No, at that time, I lived in South Nashville, okay. kind of the uh, Nippers Corner area. Okay. That was crazy. I was living in Franklin at the time, but even, I mean, it was all greater Nashville. It was just a crazy day and what turned into weeks of just yeah. a massive surprise. It, it was weird to feel the, some of those same feelings again uh, this past March, I guess, when the tornadoes yeah. came through. Strange times. Um, okay, well, uh, I have... One more question, uh, and then we can we can hit anything else you'd like to bring up. But one question that I ask everyone that comes on the show is whether it relates to the work you do in the Metro Council or not. How do you think we can make Nashville better? Honestly, the best way we can, as a city, can keep Nashville getting better is to keep doing what we're doing. After the tornado, twenty six thousand people volunteered that weekend through Hands On Nashville. Wow! Yeah. I've never heard that number. That's awesome. Yeah, it it was impressive. Um, The the spirit of volunteering in Nashville is very strong. It's very clear why why Tennessee as a state has always been called a volunteer state. Mm -hmm. It's just something about the people here, whether you're native or you move here, you want to help. And so as long as people in Nashville want to keep helping one another and keep helping the city, then there's no limit to what we can do and where we can go. Wow. Yeah, that is so true. Um, awesome. Well, why don't you tell the listeners how, what, where they can go to find, like, stay in touch? Or um, I think you mentioned a newsletter, how people can get involved sure. with that. The, you can go to my website, russbradford.com slash newsletter. Um, sign up for the newsletter. There's sections on the website where you can see what um, legislation I've sponsored or co-sponsored. Um, I've got a YouTube channel for any um, recordings of community community meetings that I go to. Um, but Facebook, Bradford, the number four D thirteen mm-hmm. is my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles. Okay. So you can follow me there and see what I'm up to. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, get across to the listeners? Uh, I just really appreciate this opportunity to to talk to you and answer your questions and and let the people of Nashville know that times may seem bleak right now. It may seem tough with people struggling with COVID, unemployment, everything going on. But we've been down before. Never count Nashville out. Wow. Strong words of encouragement there. Thank you so much, Russ, for coming on the show and talking to me. I really enjoyed it. And I uh, look forward to the next three years of your term. Hope you do some great things. Thank you. All right. You have a great rest of the week. You too. Bye. Bye.
Once again, that was Russ Bradford representing District 13 in the Metro Council. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. And stick around for more episodes. Follow us at Bettering Nashville on Instagram. Send us an email at betteringnashville at gmail.com if you have any ideas or suggestions. And stay tuned.